Welcome into Locked On Knicks. The Knicks lost another heartbreaker to the Heat, 98 to 96 on the road. But Gavin, I, I think there was some things to talk about in this game. Obviously, Derek Rose kind of unexpectedly makes his debut, gets cleared super quick, and then not only gets cleared, but immediately gets in the game for 20 pretty solid minutes of action. And uh, there was a few other things to talk about in this game too, some officiating and whatever else. Yeah, Rose Rose was awesome, and I was really intrigued by the lineup he played with him, Quickly, and Burks all out there together. Immediately had a lot of chemistry, went on a big 17-3 run right after Rose came into the game. And then the defense from the Knicks was exemplary throughout. Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel epitomized 48 minutes of rim protection in this one. We'll get into some of the shoddy officiating, as you mentioned, and uh, a good a good Alfred Payton game. It pains me to say it, but a good Alfred Payton game. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. So I am Alex Wolf. I am your co-host, joined by Gavin Shaw. Play-by-play announcer by day, Knicks podcaster by night. I'm, of course, the editor-in-chief of The Strickland. You can find us at thestrick.land. And, uh, Gavin, you had a, a – I think we we both kind of had some opinions on this game, mostly based around Derrick Rose because, like, this game was, I don't know, I thought pretty similar to the game on Sunday, except for maybe the the officiating was worse. Um I don't know. It was just kind of a weird game. Like nobody other than Rose really had a standout performance, at least statistically, you know, counting stats wise. Some guys I think played really good defense, you know, which we'll get into in a couple minutes. But, you know, overall flow of this game, it was uh, the Knicks hung the whole time. I mean, I they went up by I think as much as 10 was their biggest lead. And uh, they got there, I think, twice. It was like once in the second quarter on that huge run. Uh, when Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly first got inserted that you mentioned, you know, in the intro. And uh, then again, in the third quarter, I think they also got up by 10 again. You know, unfortunately, you're facing the Miami Heat and they have just shooters on shooters on shooters. And sometimes even if you defend them perfectly, they're going to hit a bunch of shots right in your face. You know, we saw that at a Tyler Hero hit one or two of those. Uh, You know, we had uh, Kelly Olenek went God, six of eight from three, just disgusting. 
Um, Jimmy Butler, you know, had some key stuff going on down the stretch. Mostly Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo shot 31 free throws between them and made 26 of them, uh, which, by the way, is almost double the total amount of free throws that the Knicks got, which is insane. And that's not even considering the rest of the free throws that the Heat got. So it's just one of those sort of games, Gavin. But was there anything else just like game flow wise that stood out to you with this game? Yeah, I just I, I loved how like vicious and competitive it was. Um, I I got stuck watching the Heat stream, and they're they're both they. Uh, I think it's Eric Reed. I want to. I forgot the first name of the broadcaster, but very very good broadcaster. Technically, perfectly sound. Uh, tough watch um, in terms of their their gauge of the officiating, which was much more favorable than Nick's Twitter. Um, but they were they were mentioning throughout the broadcast. It felt like a '90s Knicks Heat game. I of course I missed most of those. Alex, you were pretty young when those games were going on, but I got that vibe as well. I, I love the physicality. I love the competition. People have talked about how like the NBA is like two games, baseball style series this year, which sort of lead to that in, in the second game where teams like are already kind of tied each other. Don't really like seeing each other for the second time in three nights and, and they can get pretty vicious. And, and that absolutely happened tonight with the Knicks. He like guys like barreling into each other. We, we even saw it on the last couple of plays where, when Julius Randle uh, missed that uh, turnaround fade to try to, I think it was to give the Knicks a one-point lead, and, and then went barreling into Jimmy Butler, who, who milked it for all it was worth, trying to get a flagrant foul. But th- this this was a game just defined by aggressiveness, and, and two teams who appeared to very much not like each other throughout, um, finished on uh, on a pretty exciting note, obviously, like very, very close down the stretch. You mentioned Hero hitting that shot, um, Emmanuel Quickly, who, who subbed out with about five minutes or so left, comes back in final minutes, uh, races into the lane, hits the floater uh, to give the Knicks a, oh, that was to get the Knicks within one, if I'm remembering correctly. And then um, Randall has the shot to tie a big rebound on the other end by Reggie Bullock, who I said last podcast, he had just played his two best games of the year. He's now played his three best games of the year. He was awesome. Um, Randall comes down, I don't know, Alex. How did you feel about that shot by Randall? I was I was sort of hoping they'd run some offense, but with how good Randall's been all year and how like he's he's made just so many incredibly tough shots and shots like that fadeaway, even on a night where he shot horribly, um, I didn't necessarily mind him taking that. But I, I was I was hoping for a little bit more on that second to last possession. Yeah, I mean, I think he's your superstar, so like you got to go to him. You know, I think he's kind of earned that at this point. Like the amount of tough shots he's made and and, you know he actually the shooting numbers won't bear it out because he didn't get I mean it's I'm sorry not to like harp on the officiating but it's ridiculous Bam Adebayo got out of this game with zero personal fouls and like you make the point about you know the game was pretty physical but I mean some of the guys on the Knicks were getting called for fouls like crazy like Bullock ended with four fouls Mitch had five fouls Noel had four fouls quickly had three fouls uh, RJ and Randall each had three fouls. I mean, guys are getting called for fouls on the Knicks. Nobody was getting called for fouls on the Heat. And, you know, I, I thought that Randall, he wound up with a four of 18 shooting night. That could have very easily been like a four of 12 shooting night or something with like triple the amount of free throws that he shot because um, he only got four attempts from there. So, you know, I think that he played better than the the box score suggests. And I think between these two games, it was pretty impressive for Randall Obviously, more so in the the first game when he legitimately stuffed the stat sheet. But, you know, in both games, I thought that he handled a really good defender in Bam Adebayo pretty well. So I, I didn't have a huge problem with that shot. 
I did have a problem with the the fact that they didn't call again, you know, another officiating blunder, but you know, on that that second to last possession where, you know, Jimmy Butler went for his Oscar, uh, writhing on the ground and he even I mean, he was making a straight up joke about it. I mean, I, I couldn't hear what he was saying, but it sounded like he was going like, Oh, the humanity, oh I, I see the light. Like, you know, you could tell he was faking it. Like he had his hands over his face, but he was clearly well, he, exaggerating. He looked up to see what the reaction yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that next. You know, then you saw it got caught on camera. He literally like lifted up his hands from his eyes and like looked around real quick and then kept going back to writhing in pain for another five minutes. Um you know, it used to remind me of like prime heat LeBron James and how he used to flop for some calls. Yeah, but like I, what I like about Jimmy is like he like kind of, he, he obviously he wanted the call, but he sort of he did it in, in an obvious way where it was more of a bit than anything else. So I, I, yeah. I actually I enjoyed it more than anything. Oh, I think I liked it, too. I mean, in a vacuum, I thought it was hilarious. It was just frustrating because it, you know, ended up with him getting a foul shot, yeah. um, especially when Mitch was the one that was actually fouled on that play going for the offensive rebound. So I guess that was the other part too, is like, you know, Mitch was under the hoop and Randall had, you know, Adebayo on him and was able to get a shot that he's confident in making that he's made pretty consistently this year. And then Adebayo was pulled away from the hoop too. So that left the possibility for Mitch to get a rebound had he not gotten pushed in the back by Kelly Olenek. So, you know, I was all right with it. And then, you know, on the other end, the the Heat missed one or two free throws. And then uh, the Knicks get it coming back the other way. That leads to the final possession, which ends with R.J. Barrett with the heartbreaker. Uh, but I, I, this much I will say, you know, they went to Randall on the possession prior, but I do like that late in games, and this is clearly, I mean, it has to be a Tibbs thing. He's trusting R.J. to give it a shot sometimes late in games. And, you know, its I don't know that there's a single time that's really worked out yet this year, but that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm all right with games being lost by RJ trying to be the guy in the final possession, because maybe then eventually he can be the guy for the final possession. Once he kind of works out all the kinks of, you know, how to score in crunch time like that, but he got the, you know, an ISO against Jimmy Butler to his credit. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a fantastic defender. He always will be. And, you know, RJ got as open as you can get in a one-on-one with Jimmy Butler driving to the hoop and, uh, got up a nice, you know, a little lefty layup and just didn't get the favorable role, which just happens sometimes. But, um, you know, the, and then the Knicks lose by two. But, uh, oh, no, I liked I, – I I can't say I loved them, you know, because obviously the Knicks didn't win. But I, I liked where they were going with those last few possessions. One thing I will say is, like, I, I wish that Tibbs would not put – quickly and cold right at the end of the game so often you know you mentioned he put quickly back in with like a little over a minute left or maybe even a minute straight up for Peyton after putting Peyton back in for like four minutes five minutes whatever prior to that and at that point it's like just leave quickly in man like let him let him keep cooking you know especially because we've noted how good he can be with the starters like leave him out there so then you know you're not putting him in cold at the end and being like, all right, quickly, like it's your turn to go out there and help affect winning and make a shot. And today he made the floater, but you know, it's it's a rough place to put a rookie into. Yeah, I mean, I think the logic and, and I'll say like in in Tibbs' defense, like Alfred Payton by and large played a really good game. Um so and, and quickly was not shooting well this entire game. So rare night where you want to say just on merit, which I, I don't we I think we both agree that development should be the priority, but just on merit, you could argue that Payton should be out there. 
Um, it was better for them defensively, completely stalled them up offensively and quickly would have really opened up the floor on offense. But I, I give quickly some credit on, on the second to last possession defensively. Um, the Heat were trying to, I think he was guarding um, his former backcourt mate at Kentucky, Tyler Hero. And the Heat had Hero come up and screen for Butler and they were trying to get quickly switched onto Butler. But Reggie Bullock, who played, uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk about it more later, a hell of a defensive game on Duncan Robinson, was guarding Butler down the stretch, and, and, and he, he did a really good job fighting through hero screen and said, no, 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 quick, you stay there. I'm going to stay on Jimmy. Uh, he forced a miss, and, and he gave the Knicks that final shot. And then quickly, before we go to our first break, um, no pun intended, as always, <laughs> uh, I, I, I also like the final call for RJ. I like, I, if I'm remembering correctly, there was like, do, do you remember how much time there was on the clock when the Knicks got the ball back? It was something like four seconds, right? Yeah, it wasn't a ton. It was. Uh, it must have been less though, because didn't the clock like basically expire after RJ missed? Maybe it was tipped around a little. No, it was tipped a little bit. It, it, he had enough time. He got in there, and then Randall and Mitch were sort of in the vicinity to maybe get a tip. But then it took like a weird second bounce. Otherwise, Randall looked like he might have been able to get it off of one bounce off the rim. Right. Okay. So but then was, it kind of took a second one, which yeah, there, put there, it out of his way. There was five seconds left. I just yeah, yeah. I checked. All right. Oh, sorry. Six point two. Um. Anyways, um, I like how quickly RJ went because I think normally guys in that situation tend to be kind of meticulous. And against someone like Jimmy Butler, um, unless you're unless you're just an elite shot maker, um, like like a Devin Booker or or Kevin Durant out there, that's like you're you're dead in the water if you don't make a quick move in that situation. Like like Jimmy would have eaten him alive. So RJ catches and instead of like kind of pivoting and facing him and jabbing and then taking like a hard jumper. He just did a reverse pivot and went straight to the rim. The downside of that strategy was he had to go full speed to beat Jimmy there. Because Jimmy, like, pretty quick reaction time, slightly better athlete than RJ is. Um, he was sticking right with him. And I think because RJ was going so fast, it would have been kind of interesting if he tried to do a little jump stop, like pump fake, maybe get Jimmy to crash into him and, and, and draw the foul and get two free throws. Like, maybe maybe in a year or two, you see, or, or even later this season, you see RJ going to that move in that situation with a smarter or, or excuse me with the defender as smart as Butler though I don't really mind him going fast because Butler's probably not going to fall for that uh Jimmy got away with a little bit of a push on the play he, like he kind of nudged RJ in the back and that combined with just he had so much momentum going towards the basket it was such a smart play because it just looked like RJ was like out of control which he was a little bit and, and he just kind of lost the angle on the layup but I, I'm with you I, I love the play from RJ I love the gutsiness and more than anything else I love the decisiveness but Alex, let's take our first break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get into the individual player breakdowns. But first things first, I want to tell people about one of our favorite sponsors, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. I'm a big Bachelor fan. I used to play Fantasy Bachelor. So I'm all in for BetOnline's reality TV props. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bet, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. All right, we'll be back in just a sec, but first, we wanted to remind you we're covering everything you need to know about the Knicks, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great... 
Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, we've delayed it long enough. Derek Rose, once a Nick, always a Nick, making his grand return uh, to the team. To your point, it was in dramatic fashion. Um, there was a lot of conversation about the day uh, throughout the day on whether or not Rose would be able to play since Dennis Smith Jr. hadn't completed his physical in Detroit yet. So I think I think the trade is still pending until that happens. Uh, fortunately- no, it officially went through. That was what the hangup was. Like if if DSJ hadn't completed his physical, like in both sides can't say like yes, this is. Oh good, yeah, that, then, yeah like, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, it was yeah. pending until he completed his physical. Word, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, so any, anyway, so it, uh, that happened in time. Uh, Rose is Rose is eligible to play. For the Knicks, and uh, I'll, I'll let you get into it, Alex. But he he couldn't have been much better in his twenty minutes. Yeah, I I was really surprised by the the amount of energy he was playing with when he first got in the game. Not to say that I thought he was going to be sluggish. Like I actually did expect probably this initial pop from him. Uh, but with just like I don't know, I mean, he probably got what most a shoot around in with the team, if anything. Uh, to be able to come in and, and play as well as he did and look as cohesive with other guys on the team, I thought was pretty impressive. Like, I I, I don't know. I mean, we just talked about the, it the other day. I had my reservations about him based off the last time he was in New York. And, um, you know, I, I did like some of what I've seen about, like, his assist percentage going way back up again with Detroit, um, his three-point shooting, reaching more respectable levels and stuff like that. And I think all that stuff showed like, actually I was really, so you and I were both worried about, you know, Oh, what is this going to mean for Emmanuel quickly with, you know, Rose coming back? Uh, Cause are we just going to see like 48 minutes of Rose and uh, Alfred Payton and, you know, quickly just get sort of shoved to the side. And it turns out, I mean, they, they mostly ran, I mean, I would say it was, uh, I wouldn't quite say it was 50, 50, but, I would say that by and large, you know, quickly was bringing the ball down a lot of the time. Rose was really taking command and transition and stuff. And to the point where some of their half court possessions even almost took on like a transition sort of feel, um, you know, where he, they were just looking to get right down the court and get a shot somewhere. Um, and that was part of what let them kind of blitz the heat at the end of the first quarter going into the second there where they started off the third quarter 17 to three. And I think, if you include the first quarter, it was like they went on like a 20 to three or 22 to three or something like that run. Uh, it's just a crazy, crazy stretch of high energy basketball from them. And a lot of it was Rose playing so well on both ends. Like he was he was defending his ass off, like uh, getting all up in, in people's business on defense. And, you know, he got a nice steal at one point, if I remember right. Uh, he had a. Um, a really good possession where he defended Duncan Robinson, I think it was, and just like smothered him, or maybe it was Hero, I forget. But one of the one of you know Miami's like pretty good shooters just kind of got him on the perimeter and just stranded him and uh, made him take a contested shot that he missed, and that was really good. And then on offense, you know, he was kind of doing the best of what you could expect from him, which was he wasn't acting like a dude that needed the ball in his hands. He hit at least one. Uh, spot up three pointer, which was good. He uh, he took later on in the game a, a spot up three pointer that I actually I thought was a good look, and that's the type of looks that like I was talking about the other day that make him such a huge upgrade over Peyton is that he has the capability to take a spot up three and, and not be looked at like a joke for it. 
Um, so eventually that's something that defenses hopefully will have to respect him for and, you know, probably will. And uh, but on top of it, I mean, he was looking for quickly very often, you know, Quickly's first bucket was a three that came from Derrick Rose's hand, um, you know, out on the assist to him. And then, you know, he was doing a lot of driving in, uh, you know, breaking down the defense and getting to the hoop and trying to create for others. He had, I forget who the beneficiary was for this one. Maybe it was Burks, but he had a, a beautiful drive at one point baseline where he, I mean, he did the, the cardinal sin of passing according to Clyde, but he had a plan with it. It reminded me a lot of some of Julius Randle's passes this year and sometimes even Obi Toppin where he drove baseline and then kind of jumped and like angled his body out of bounds a little bit and just like swung it along the baseline to someone in the corner. And again, I, I forget who it was that he found with that assist, but that was beautiful. Um, you know, he just played a really good game. I, he clearly looked like he was... Uh, all the all the talk, you know, in that little interview that he did that went up on Nick's social media and all that, where he's saying, I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy for the opportunity and happy to be back with Tibbs and to play with the young guys and guide them along. That didn't seem like lip service in this game. That seemed like for real. Um, but I don't know if there are any other plays that stand out to you, Gavin, but it, I, I loved his play. I thought it was really good. Um, the second half, maybe a little, some more questionable decisions. You know, he made a couple of kind of so-so passes and, Definitely cooled off to a degree, but I mean, for his first game with, again, literally maybe a shoot around under his belt to end up with 14 points, three assists, a steal, a block, five and nine shooting, two or three from three and a couple free throws. I mean, that's that's about as good of a debut as I could ask for in 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I just I, I mean, even even more so than Rose individually, I, I love the pop uh, of that lineup, which was initially uh Rose quickly, Burks, Obi, Nerlens, and then I, I think Obi at one point got replaced with uh, with Julius, if I'm remembering. I think it started with Randall and then Obi got subbed in, and then it might have still been that lineup might have still been in by the time that Randall got back in the game. Yeah, possibly. So Randall like played with that, like kind of bookended it, I think. Right. Um, yeah, and, and they, I mean, they were just, like the energy and ball movement. It, I mean, it's just stuff we haven't seen from the Knicks in. I mean, it was, I was referenced the team. It was 12, it was 12, 13 esque. Like it, it was, it was a breath of fresh air compared to Austin Rivers just dribbling the air out of the basketball. And, and I want to say, um, I, we were talking about Austin Rivers this way, like a month and a half ago when he was playing his first few games. And I was saying, man, it's so nice to have someone who could like pump, get into the lane and keep the ball moving. And I find like a lot of times when you add vets to teams and the, their first, or at least, at least it's true with this year's Knicks team. Their first couple of games, the guys are like quote unquote on their best behavior. Like they're dribbling in, to like make the next pass and to make the extra pass, and they're passing up shots to get the young guys looks. And then after a couple of games, that it, it's really it's hard to maintain that if that's not your instinct as a basketball player. And and guys get comfortable and bad habits like throughout a career start to resurface. And we really saw that with Rivers, um, and maybe at some point we'll we'll see that with Rose, who like despite all of his talk in Detroit of like of being here for the young guys like and granted I'm sure from like an off the court perspective he was doing that on the court like he is a really high usage percentage and tonight you didn't you saw that to some extent where he was taking and making a lot of shots when those shots aren't falling all of a sudden it doesn't look as good um when, he, when he's getting a little selfish he's not passing as much all of a sudden it doesn't look so good 
Tonight, though, it looked really, really good. And I think we can we can enjoy that while cautioning going forward. But um, this is a long-winded intro into my favorite sequence of the whole game. I'd say one of my three or four favorite sequences of the season. I'm rewatching it right now. So quickly, top of the arc, uh, really like just speedy pass to Burks. Like I like that it, Like sometimes quickly kind of falls asleep on the ball, takes a lot of time, like dribbles, 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 doesn't really get anywhere. This time gets out of his hands fast. Burks. Fakes it, then back to quickly. Quickly left side, drives in, spins back, burks, like kind of stays in motion, uh, cuts left around the outline of the arc, uh, gets a step on, I think it's Andre Iguodala, gets into the lane, and then just throws a lob up to Noel. And it was just it was just quick hitting. I think that's that's the best way to sum up um that lineup. And, and the play that um that also stood out to me was uh, Obi Toppin running that uh, dribble handoff to Rose. We've seen Obi do it a few times this year. They've all come in the last couple of games, and every single time he seems to get a dunk out of it. And, and this is where Rose comes in versus Rivers. Rivers is, is getting that handoff, and then he's stopping everything to jab six times and either jack a three or, or get into the lane for a floater or pull-up or an ill-fated pass um, once the shot clock is dwindled to the point that no one else can really do anything with it. Rose, like, obviously he's not the guy he was um, in Chicago, but he still has some of that explosiveness. And he, like, pretty easily, like, splits the double team. And, and that's what you get with Obi. He's such a quick roller. It really puts the defense in, the bind, in a bind if you have an explosive ball handler because it's like, all right, do I, do I stick with Obi? Um, do, I, uh, do I try to stop, like, D. Rose? And D. Rose is so quick. Um, the second defender um, who was initially guarding Obi like can't really can't really keep up with him. So Rose just bursts into the lane. Big man has to step up, kick to Obi. Obi gets a dunk. Um, so those are the kind of plays that Derrick Rose can make that you, you weren't getting from Alfred Payton. You weren't even really getting from Emmanuel quickly just because he's not quite explosive enough yet to like just cut through that um, double team with, with, with that kind of speed. Certainly not getting it from Austin Rivers. So just an awesome, awesome performance from Derrick Rose. And, and, and you, you certainly saw the best of what he can bring. I think that that's enough to say on Derek Rose, though, because I got to tell everybody about our good friends at rockauto.com. You know, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars, it's pretty much impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And on top of that, why would you want to endure all of the pointless questioning about your car, about this, that, and the other, when you really just know that you need one certain part to fix your car, and that's it. And then on top of it, you get the bill, you realize that, oh my God, this is so expensive, I could have just like gone to the shop and gotten this done you know, by a professional for probably about the same amount of money as this you know, auto parts store is going to charge me just for the part, and you know, I have to do the labor myself then, and you know, there's inherently more risk of potentially getting it wrong or whatever kind of takes the fun out of it. You know what I mean? So go back to having fun fixing your car. Use rockauto.com. They are the absolute best. You go on to rockauto.com. Super easy to use interface. You just select your make of car, the year, the model, the trim package, and then you get this nice, easy to sort through list of all the parts for your car or truck. There's usually, you know, for any given part, five, six different options that you can pick from. You know, if it's a something like what I was looking for for my car, a tow package, I could pick one with different hitch receiver sizes, with different towing weight capacities, stuff like that. All those kinds of options are available for you if you're looking for parts for your car. 
And they're going to charge you the bottom dollar price of any given part because, you know, there's not so much overhead. There's not all this like, oh, we have a storefront and we have, you know, a warehouse to keep all the parts in. Then we have to pay to transport the parts from the warehouse to the store for you to then come pick up. No, cut out all that middleman crap. RockAuto.com is going to send your part directly to your door so that then you don't have to make another trip back to the auto parts store. And you can get right to work on your car like you wanted to. So if you're interested in picking up some parts for your car or truck, head to rockauto.com right now and see what they have available for you. And if you decide to pick up a part right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we're back for a third and final segment But just a reminder, February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. So, Gavin, getting back to the Knicks, you know, I think you and I both uh, liked the play of Reggie Bullock in this game. Um, You know, somewhat modest stat line, I guess. Again, if you're just looking at counting stats, nine points, three rebounds, three assists, uh, one or two from three, three or four overall. But I thought that, you know, you you noted earlier, like, the Heat broadcast team really gave him kudos for his defense, you know, on some of the more deadly guys on the uh, Miami team, like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, et cetera, from three. And I, I noticed the same thing. I thought that he played a really good defensive game. Like, he really, particularly Duncan Robinson is the one that I'm like, he is really hard to make uncomfortable. Like, we saw in, in the last game, I mean, you, you can't just play good defense on him because, like, we saw at one point in a somewhat key juncture of that last game, R.J. Barrett play good defense on Duncan Robinson, and he had, like, a centimeter of space to get his shot off and just, like, swished it right over R.J.'s outstretched hand with, like, I mean, it, he could have very well grazed R.J.'s fingertip with the ball as he was going to release it, yet still got it off perfectly. Um, so, you know, you really have to go out of your way to bother those guys, but... Duncan Robinson, like, I'd be interested to see the matchup stats to see how it all shook down. But he ended up with four points, no made field goals, 0 of 7 overall, 0 of 5 from 3. And he was he was really genuinely bothered in this game. And a, a lot of that, I think, was due to the fact that Reggie Jack or Reggie Jackson, Reggie Bullock was way up on him. And, uh, like, just making his life a living hell pretty much the whole game. Yeah, the Heat, I mean, the Heat broadcasters, who, who've obviously seen every game this season, said it's the best anyone's defended him all year. And and I just want to give Reggie a salute for the last three games. I can't remember how much I got into it uh, last podcast. But, I mean, he, he's been he's been so good. This was, this was the guy I was imagining the Knicks were getting when they signed him in free agency last offseason. Um, and the guy I was really excited for, and I was like, finally, the Knicks got a true three and D guy. And, and he's, he's vacillated in terms of his ability to live up for that at times, like the three point shooting has been inconsistent at other times. Like he's, he's always like at least average defensively, but there, there are long stretches where at least to me, and I'm not an expert, I'm not watching possession in possession out. So I could be missing a lot of stuff, but at, 
at least to me, I, I don't really see it. I'm like, yeah, he's, he's, he's solid. He's fine on that end. He's, he's not anything special. The last few games, he's, he's been special on that end. I mean, the final possession against Jimmy Butler of this one, picture-perfect defense, couldn't have really done much better. Uh, got a big rebound. I think it was the play before, just came flying in, really palmed it. And, and he, I mean, I, I think he he's sort of like an underrated piece on the wing for this Knicks team. Obviously, we, we talk a lot, and we should talk a lot, about Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel effort every night, and particularly in this game, um, obviously Bam ended up getting 16 free throws. Uh, you could again question how many of those were were, were valid, um, but just three of nine from the field, and, and that was because like Mitch and Nerlens were spectacular. RJ continues to be really good in that end. I, I know Jimmy got some stuff going late, and again also got to the free throw line a whole lot, um, but physically he's holding up. Elf at the point guard spot tonight was, I think, was good. Like that, that's what, I, like just across the board, every single guy was playing with force. But I think Reggie is really the guy, night in and night out, who holds that together, like pretty consistently. Like we see, we saw RJ guarding Kawhi the other game, but pretty consistently taking the top wing assignment and, and just like holding his own. Like he, he he's just rock rock solid. And, and the last few games, I mean, he's just been banging shots tonight. Nine points on just four shots from the field. One of two from distance, also three rebounds, three assists, doing a good job keeping the offense going. I be I know obviously you don't want um, Obi to be losing minutes um, at this point because he's already playing um, such a limited amount. But I'd be pretty interested if the Knicks tried to put out a group with like quickly Rose, Burks, Bullock, and and either Mitch or Nerlens at center and let Reggie play some stretch four. Is that I think I think against most matchups, like obviously there there are occasionally teams like the Cavs who play two true centers. Um, he's going to be able to hold up in that spot. He's going to be able to hit threes. And he, he could be pretty deadly there with how well he's playing. So salute to Reggie Bullock, uh, unheralded part of this team. But he's been really good. Uh, Alex, do you want to get into Mitch or, or, and or Nerlens a little bit? Because I, I thought both those guys, I mean, a combined, I'm um, counting it out right now, combined eight stocks for them um, in, in their 48 minutes. And uh, I, I mean, I, I thought they couldn't have played defensively a, a much better game in this one. Yeah, Mitch had a couple of a couple of bonehead decisions that he made that I think I think it was his fourth and fifth fouls he got somewhat close to one another um other than that though I thought he was he was really good and, and Nerlens as well um which was kind of surprising because you know this is not a super ideal matchup for Nerlens because Bam is really strong and he did play some minutes against Bam uh in this game and managed to hold his own which was good um but yeah I other than the fact that Nerlens still has hands made out of stone I thought defensively he was he was really really good, um, you know his his blocks like I thought were just really impactful. Like he had the one that was uh, oh man I'm trying to remember the exact sequence that it was, but it was like someone got by the Jimmy Butler, someone else wait, base- the Jimmy Butler one was it the Butler one where Butler got by somebody baseline and then Noel just like ate him up. Uh, coming around the baseline there under the hoop. That one was beautiful. I'm actually trying to find it right now. But there was uh, the other one where Butler, he had Butler on the inside after he got by Burks. Let's see. I'm literally watching this on NBA yeah, stats like, right now. Yes, it was Obi Toppin. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm like trying to refresh my memory. Butler got inside on Obi Toppin and then Nerland's just like ate him up and uh, swatted that shot away. That was beautiful. Um, I don't know. I wish we could get this Nerland's every single game because – it seems to just fluctuate with him on where his like focus is. And maybe it's just like he's better at defending teams that play certain ways versus others. But 
he had it going on in this game. I, I really enjoyed his his performance out there. Man, I, I just love the. I mean, hearing you talk about it is getting me hyped up again. Like I, I thought that play was it was like it was like a mama bird play from Noel, where like the bully comes in and he's like Jimmy's like going to just torture poor Ovi Toppin, and Nerlens is like, no, you don't. And if I remember that play correctly, he he kind of stripped Jimmy initially, and Jimmy's just like, get out of here, I'm, I'm I'm bullying this guy. <laughs> and then like Jimmy gets it back, tries to go up again, and Nerlens just like st- sticks around. He's like, nope, not going to let you do it. Blocks it away. Um, yeah, I just uh, salute to those guys like that. that That's what I loved about this game. Like not like it wasn't like a ton of like outstanding individual performances, but it, it sort of felt like it, it kind of felt like a March Madness game to me. Like and, and the Knicks were, were like the uh, 14 or 15 seed and, and the Heat with everyone back from their title run outside of Goran Dragic, who, who was out with an injury. Um, were, were like clearly like like they had the advantage in terms of guys and they were like I mean I, I know they were getting fouls and like they weren't shooting that well but they were playing their ass off like defensively too in the fourth quarter the Knicks the Knicks couldn't really do anything until the final stretch and that's that's ultimately what what cost them this game but everyone was just playing so hard on the Knicks like like El- Elf even Elf who I've I've just been saying nothing but bad things about for weeks and weeks and weeks he, he got me fired up in this one with the way he was going to the basket had had 12 points three assists in the first half finished with 18, five and four was like fighting, like got a shot block, got his own rebound, like put it back a couple of different times. Had that play where he was like blocked and Jimmy had it, like kind of just goes down to the floor, takes it away from him, goes up. Um, I can't remember if he actually made a layup or got a goaltend. Uh, but, oh no, he got the goaltend on Bam. But th- this whole game was just defined by like this great, great spirit from from the Knicks. And and even, even the play where um, I was joking on Twitter. It was like the one person in the league, like he could body, like where, where Obi just went into Duncan Robinson and, and Duncan, like he still didn't even really move Duncan Robinson. He maybe moved him an inch and then he made a really tough layup. It, it was similar to what we saw him do against the Pistons in the first preseason game. And, and like the whole bench just like lost their minds. It, it was, I, it was an ugly game, but it was, it was such a fun one. I, I really enjoyed this, even though the final result wasn't that good. It, it felt very much like a P word game and that of course being playoffs, get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, yeah, it felt I like a playoff sure game. I wasn't sure where you're going. I was just gonna be like, all right, I'm sure he's gonna explain it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to <laughs> wanted to throw a, a funny one out there for anybody that's still listening at this point. Um, but yeah, it felt kind of like a playoff game to me. You know, it was it was very much like that it, that intensity, and I wish that it would have been played with a let them play mentality which it was on one side and was not so much on the other, which again, not to get, you know, I guess maybe this just brings it full circle, but like the officiating was, was crap in this game. It was really not good. And I'm not, I'm never the type like to really harp on officiating too much because my general belief is like, if you're relying on, you know, bad officiating being your thing to like prove your point that your team should have won the game, then your team just didn't do enough to win the game. Uh, and that's how I normally feel about it. But in this particular case, I mean, I think there was actually enough plays that you could count off in this game where you say, no, you know what? Reasonably, in a two-point game, in the end, the refs did enough in this game to screw the Knicks over that I, I think the refs legitimately lost this game for the Knicks. Um, so that was encouraging, too. I, I think someone right after uh, the game in our like post-game thread on the Strickland actually said something to the effect of like, you know, if, if this was the playoffs and this is a seven game series between the Knicks and the heat and, you know, like these two teams right now, and this is how like game one went, I'd feel pretty good about the Knicks chances potentially for the whole series. And 
I agree with that. You know, even if this was the first two games of the series or something, um, you know, and and like the Knicks had lost and been down 0-2, I would feel all right about their chances of potentially like going home and and winning the next two games or something because these have been two really tightly contested games. Ultimately, you know, the last game came down to the Heat getting really hot down the stretch. This game came down to shoddy officiating and a couple bad bounces, and that was it, or else the Knicks, you know, arguably could have won this game too. So I uh, I feel pretty good about this one, all in all. But it was it was a gritty, tough game. It was fun in its own way to watch. Um, you know, it's like some games are fun because the, you know, your team goes off and they blow out the other team. Some games are fun even if they're a loss in this case because our expectations are like zero as far as wins and losses anyway. This one, I can still find the joy in it, even if I'm kind of upset about not winning. Um, but this was definitely, you know, one of those games that's that was pretty enjoyable to me. Yeah, I'm I'm with it, and I think I think that's a good note to end on. So, uh, Alex, unless you have anything else, uh, we'll wrap it up right there. Uh, that's it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Uh, We'll hopefully be back. Actually, you know what? I got one more oh, thing. Yeah. I got one more thing. Yeah. Before we go, I was trying to give it a winding, a winding rundown. So you. Yeah, you know, I just thought of it right as we were, and I'm trying to pull up the name here. Hold on, uh, the name of the guy that that um, Breen was like, uh, you'll got Tom, Tom Konchalski. Oh yeah, the the scout. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Breen like gave a really it, that was like what one of the most emotional displays I've ever seen from or heard i guess from breen on air i think like he got really choked up uh talking about him and uh and just it led to a really sweet moment between breen and clyde where because like it was someone that breen was very close to and uh clyde made a point to kind of be like i I don't i got the impression clyde didn't really know the guy very much but he just said like on air just like i'm really sorry for your loss mike like i'm really sorry to hear about your friend and whatever. And it was just really sweet. It was a really sweet moment that was a good one to latch on to. But it was really hard hearing Mike Breen get like choked up on air, man. I, I don't ever want to have to hear that again. Yeah. It was just like really sad. It made me want to cry. If anyone wants to learn more about Tom, I read uh, yesterday. I, I didn't know. I heard his name before, but I, I didn't really know that much about him. Uh, Adam Zagoria, who who does a lot of like great high school coverage, and I think particularly in the in the New York area, like he was like and New Jersey, yeah. yeah. Shouts to Adam, yeah, yeah. long, long, long time, uh, long time friend of his. Wrote like a really good tribute. I read it last night before I went to sleep. Really good, really sad. Um, but um, I'm bummed. I miss I miss Breen's. I'm going to try to find it online somewhere. But yeah, seemed like seemed like an seemed like an amazing guy. If you wanna, if you wanna listen to it, I believe uh, the Nixon MSG Networks Twitter had it. All right, cool. Uh, like at, I think it's like at Nick's MSGN had it on Twitter. That's for anyone else listening to, but also for you, Gavin. Yeah, I'll check, no, I'll check it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, so that concludes this episode of Locked On Nick's. Uh, Mike Breen, you have our condolences. We love you very much. And uh, this has been this episode. And we will talk to you all uh, probably sooner than you think. I know there's not a game until Friday, but we got some stuff planned. So we'll be uh, we'll be back in your feed sooner than later. Till then, though, peace out. We'll talk to you guys.